I really don't like that girl's voice. <laughs> <laughs> I think we're good. That was a robot voice. It wasn't an actual person. So anybody that hears that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The, the Zoom recording in progress. I really don't like it. But <laughs> there we go. Um, all right. So we're doing our, you know, regular <clears throat> sermon Bible study uh, stuff today. We're going into judges and we have the legalist Jordan here again. Hi, everyone. Nice to, uh, well, I guess not hear your voices or see your lovely faces, but hello, nonetheless. Sorry. So, yeah. do you want me to start it? Or? Yeah, yeah. So Jordan is going to um, lead us into, you know, the book of Judges from um, where we left off. I think we left off with Joshua, correct? Right. So the book of Judges is the second book in the Nevi'im, um, or in English, the prophets, which is how the, in the Tanakh or the Hebrew Bible, the Old Testament, um, it's those, divided into Sorry, for, 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 for those who just don't know what a Tanakh is, it's a Tanakh-ah, but, you know, he likes to do it, <laughs> he likes to Tanakh it, so let's continue. <laughs> That's how it's pronounced in Hebrew, I guess. <sighs> um, but, so it's the book um, of the prophets. Um, and that's essentially how it's organized. It comes directly after the Torah. Um, so Judges begins shortly after Joshua's death and continues into Samuel's birth. Um, and looking at it itself, um, there are various tribes who are involved um, in Israel and their major judges and uh, major prophets, minor prophets, things like that. People. Um, who had larger roles, some who had lesser roles that you don't hear much about, like Elon, um, some you hear a lot about, like Deborah. Um, and essentially, the book is a way of explaining Israel's path where they, you know, would walk with God for a while and then, you know, kind of pull away, which is the whole reason why they needed judges in, uh, in the first place. So, a judge is primarily the name we give to like those military type uh, rulers. They were not all prophets or prophetess or uh, priests or anything like that. They, their main role um, was to lead military occupations, similar to how uh, Joshua did. And I think you wanted to mention the cycles. Yeah. Yeah. So as we're, as you were going in about the judges being judges you know they were different than the prophets in a way right right and uh, a good way to explain that is we'll get into her later but was the prophet deborah which was actually known to be a prophetess and a judge so you can see right. a clear distinction between them and that goes with all the judges that not all judges were prophets and um a big uh a, a big um thing with judges is uh the cycle of rebellion see basically when everything started you know the book of judges uh, as he was saying uh is after um joshua died because um joshua died and everything israel started to stray away from god and they started worshiping gods like um like baal or baal and uh astaroth and stuff like that and because of the, those reasons, he ended up, you know, bringing in the judges. Um, 
there is a lot of the theological aspects on an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth as it goes into uh, with um, the uh, Torah. And when they announced that they were, a lot of people actually clarify that is those were actually meant for the judges to decide. And um, in that, in that area, we have the cycle of rebellion where Israel rebels, you know, kind of like in the very beginning with uh, Aaron and he, you know, made that golden calf, God disciplines them, Israel repents, and then they get delivered. Well, in this situation, they, um, it was the same thing with Moses, you know, Israel cry, Israel was, um, you know, in Egypt, they cried out Mm -hmm. to God, they were, you know, God sent um, Moses, I'm not saying Moses was a judge, I'm just saying that's what their deliverance was. And then, then we see as they kept going through the desert, you know, they kept going through the cycle, and the cycle continues throughout the Bible. Through the entire Bible, this cycle is mm-hmm. continuously in effect. And this cycle doesn't just apply to the Hebrews. It applies to every right. person in, on earth. We, re, we rebel against God. We do sins. You know, everybody is subject to it. None of us are perfect. You know, um, God disciplines us in some way, you know. Uh, it can, I can't speak on God's will on how we get punished, but you know, a lot of us will either feel guilty or we'll be upset. Uh, we might be, you know, lose some money or some of our wealth. We might, uh, you know, our car might just die in the middle of the highway. We don't know, you know, something just might happen that we can't expect or can't explain. It just happens. And then they repent. Israel kept repenting after God disciplined them because they realized, oh, this is the error of our ways, just like a a father disciplines their um, children. And then after that, then God would send the judge to deliver them. And that is the rebellious cycle that continues. Um, So uh, did you want to go into the first judge? So it was interesting, um, just to touch on what you just said about Moses, it's interesting that you mentioned him because essentially he did fulfill the role. Um, he may not have been um, a judge in the book of Judges, but he did fulfill a role or one similar to that, um, you know, in the book of Exodus, right? So he was separate from his brother, Aaron, who was a priest, right? He was the priest. He, you know, they had the political priesthood, so they had people assigned to that Moses was essentially a military leader um, and a deliverer when he delivered them during the Exodus from um, Egypt, you know, Um, they have authority um, to deliver, to dedicate men to certain jobs um, to deliver them, as you said. Um, so the only cases of direct divine appointment are those like uh, Samson or Gideon um, where, you know, or, or Deborah who was called to deliver Israel, but was already a judge. But um, God kind of picks and chooses, you know, this person is 100% going to do this. Others may have been elected in a way um, to deliver them. Right. And 
there are many cases in throughout the Bible, throughout scripture where, you know, they essentially begged for, you know, a judge. So in some uh, circles, Moses is listed as the first, then Joshua. Um, obviously, then we go on to Othniel, Ehud, Shamgar, and then to Deborah. Um, there are a lot of different things, you know, that uh, kind of happened during all of their, I guess you could say, reigns in a way. Um, did you want to elaborate on Othniel? Um, yeah, sure. So we'll go into the first judge here. Um, great parallel, by the way, on that. Um, I, I especially, that, that's like the perfect thing, because I know we've had conversations about election and who God mm -hmm. chooses and stuff like that before. And right. this is actually just a perfect example of Old Testament election compared to New Testament. It's still there. Right. It's just, you know, maybe a different name or a different style you know yeah exactly you know so this is also like a perfect example of prophets and um you know apostles and stuff like that and then you see what regular people are you know <laughs> exactly and it's one important thing to mention also is that um othniel right he was like the only judge that was mentioned you know in connection with the tribe of judah which is a very important thing because we know um, you know, obviously David, uh, Christ, you know, we, we hear those things about certain tribes, people coming from those tribes and their certain roles. Um, and we'll obviously throughout the book of judges, we'll hear a lot more about that because there's some very interesting stories there. Yeah. And, um, that's another great thing that you brought up because as we go into, um, the tribes, there's 12 tribes of Israel, there's 12 right. apostles. And over here, we have 12 judges that are going to come into place. Exactly. So 12 is a very important number. I know that some people get scared of numbers, but, you know, a lot of Hebrew <laughs> and Greek actually use numbers in their actual um, language. It was actually a kind of part of their um, actual uh, alphabet. So, right. Right. you know, so. Um, so. Othiniel um, was the first judge. He freed Israel from, you know, the oppression of a Kushan king. Um, <laughs> and uh, his wife was given to him for conquering uh, the city of Debir. I think that's how you pronounced it. Um, <laughs> so that's like a quick summary of him. Um, uh, hold on one second. I didn't want to cough in everybody's ear. Uh, so, uh, yeah, essentially, um, going back into, uh, where were we? Othiniel. Um, basically, uh, it, it mentions that um, he was uh, chosen to free the Israelites from the Kushan king, or King Kushan. Uh, who was um, part of Mesopotamia at the time, uh, the Aram, uh, region of Aram. And uh, so that was Mesopotamia, which for people that don't know, that's kind of like where Persia would be and Iran and all that. And a little bit, a little bit east, no, west of that, sorry. 
Um, so the sons of Israel, uh, it starts off, you know, um, I like to throw it in Judges 3, where it says the sons of Israel did what was evil in the sight of the Lord, and they forgot mm -hmm. the Lord and served um, Baal and Astaroth, you know, and that's just like the first beginning of the Judges. Um, right. You know, he uh, was essentially uh, set to... Um, You know, basically set to uh, free Israel from their, um, you know, their uh, their cries and their captivity at the time. Uh, is there anything else you want to touch on, Nathaniel? Um, I think in some Bibles it may say Othniel ben Kenaz, uh, which is, I guess, his father's name. Um, and Ben sometimes when it's used in Hebrew can mean of or uh, like the son of. So that was his father. Um, he, I know he was the younger brother of Caleb. Um, he had a wife who was um, the daughter of. He was the younger brother of Caleb and his wife was the daughter of Caleb. So <laughs> kind of complicated uh, family history there. Um you know, but yeah, like you said, he he freed uh, Israel from, I guess, what they had fallen into with their their sin. And that that's part of that pattern you were talking about again, where, uh, you know, they did what was you'll hear this phrase a lot in the book of Judges. They did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. And, you know, the Lord did so and so he allowed, you know, maybe Canaan or other places, um, other pagan nations to essentially uh, capture them and or the Philistines even, um, to capture them and use them as slaves or whatever, and they were being oppressed. So, again, yeah, that's essentially what, um, you know, judges are there for, to free them from that, which we'll get more into, especially around, uh, you know, the time of Samson. Yep, Samson being the most well-known <laughs> out of them. Yeah, but definitely. Um, so, yeah, so we got the first judge there. Um Next one was uh, Ehud or Ehud. How do you pronounce mm -hmm. that? Ehud. So um, he was the descendant of Benjamin, um, which you can, I guess you hear more about him in uh, First Chronicles, I believe, 7. Um, he was like his great grandson. Um, he was the son of Gera uh, from the tribe of Benjamin, which in, in Judges 3.15, it talks a little bit more about that, telling you, um, I guess, his lineage and where he comes from, what tribe. So like I said earlier, you know, a lot of the judges were chosen by tribes or of tribes, which in Hebrew and Israelite culture, especially at the time, they cared a lot about descendancies. So or, you know, where they descended from, whose family they were in, whose tribe they were of. That's a big thing. So. A lot of people try to discredit, you know, Jesus to like, oh, Jesus didn't even exist. Well, those people have never read a history book. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and people will say, well, there's no history of this from, you know, Israelites or Jews being in, in Egypt. Right. But the thing is, we do have books that go in, in literal lists of names that go from some of the most important families in their culture all the way back to around Moses. That's something that their culture just loved to do just like Egypt loved writing on walls, essentially, right. They wrote their whole history out on a wall. 
you know, Jews and, and Hebrews, they would write down their family lineage. That's why you hear um, some of the lists, right? So like in Numbers or even in certain books in the New Testament, you'll hear, you know, so-and-so was the son of who, who was the son of this person, who was the son of, the son of, the great-grandson of, and it literally will list 20 and 30 names there. It because they they emphasize so much um, who they came from and how you know they may have inherited this or you know how they got certain things, um, which you know the book of Judges obviously does a lot too um, when it comes to Ehud and you know being the son of Gera. Um, after the death of Ophniel, they you know, like you said, fell into idolatry and. Uh, the king of Moab um, united his bands and, you know, with the, Am the Amalekites, the Ammonites, they crossed the Jordan and took the city of Jericho. Um, and for, I believe it was 18 years, they held that entire district, you know, as subject or as slaves. So they were the people living in Jericho were essentially slaves to, you know, Moab. Um, and, you know, from that, we get you know, Ehud, and he was a, essentially, he was a strategist. So that was like his, one of his main characteristics and traits. Um, you know, they fought, they, they put, you know, the, the bad king of Moab to death um, with a, a two-edged dagger, uh, which was about a cubit long, um, which is a, we don't really use cubits anymore in measurements, but it was, it was quite long. Um, for a dagger, at least, um, you know, and they essentially pushed them out, you know, towards the Jordan River, and they put about 10,000 of them to death. Um, so, again, that's that cycle where, you know, a judge comes in, saves the day, and then the people start, you know, falling back into their old sinful ways because they're being influenced by the nations that surround them, which God told Moses several times this was going to happen. God also told them not to do that, which, you know, God said, if they do this, even I believe back with Abraham, he said, if they do this, I'm going to give them up to, you know, these wicked people. Yeah. So, um, yeah, he was uh, definitely a very prominent judge, you know, um, very, right. <laughs> very, very, you know, smart and strategy. Um, but uh, one thing that uh, always made me uh, kind of, laugh i'm sorry for the dog um <laughs> um was uh they were telling us that um king elong right in uh judges uh 317 was actually uh known as a very fat man <laughs> you know and and this is like just some interesting stuff i know it's not really important but um, I, I know a lot of people that went to Catholic school or Sunday school that they would get like hit with like rulers or, you know, pointers and stuff if they ever used their left hand. And Ehud was actually known for being left-handed. You know, it, it, it kind of just gives you like a kind of like a clarity on how certain people will take certain things out of the Bible and make up their own assumptions with it when it literally says, oh, well, one of the judges was left-handed. Right. You know, he was a southpaw. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, uh, he was known for 
brutally killing the king of the Moabites, you know, he, um, and uh, another thing is like um, when you were mentioning that, that, um, that, uh, what do you call it? That, uh, uh, the knife, the dagger, right. Mm -hmm. That was uh, a cubit you said. Right. Um, so uh, basically a cubit is essentially like 17 inches, you know? So in, in, you know, america <laughs> so uh, uh cubit in uh what would it be like in millimeters so it would be like 444 millimeters i think um something like that but anyway um you know uh with the king dead you know they ended up uh launching a, an attack killing ten thousand soldiers and they co- conquered moab mm-hmm. and then the Moab became subject to Israel and uh, there was peace for 80 years until Shamgar, which right. you want to elaborate on him? <laughs> okay. So uh, Shamgar, um, this, well, so it was around the time that the Philistines from, I guess, their uh, plane right, made incursions, so I guess little battles and little skirmishes, I guess, they came from the, the plains that they lived in, their own land, um, and essentially they were going into the Israelite land and essentially doing like kind of Viking raids, uh, to put it in simple terms. They were doing little raids on the, the town, stealing things, uh, you know, cattle, livestock, food, pillaging, uh, probably some other sexually immoral things um, that they were well known for doing um, that a lot of them got circumcised and then killed for. Uh, <laughs> um, and he was the son of um, Anath, right? So he led an uprising for the purpose, obviously, of freeing the land from the oppression from the Philistines. Um, and I mean, he slayed 600 men with, you know, an ox goad, which is essentially, uh, a, an instrument, but it's sharpened. And I mean, this thing could be, you know, I think between eight and 12 feet long, you know, and he killed 700 or 600, uh, people with that. Um, there's not a whole lot written about him. Um, it's, it's one of the shorter ones. But he was definitely prominent in um, some of the first uh, Hebrew versus Philistine battles. Yeah, no, did you want to was... elaborate on any of that, or? Uh... Um. No, I think you pretty much uh, covered it. You know, this actually goes into my favorite judge. Yeah. That <laughs> I was going to leave that so. one for you. Yeah. That's okay. I'm leaving Elon for you. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, so Deborah is actually my favorite judge. Um, now, the reason why um, she actually mentions is mentioned in her uh, when she uh, references back, she actually references Ehud in you know her book at one point. So, you know, after the death of him, um, basically, uh, the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord yet again. <laughs> yeah, it's um, a reoccurring thing. 
you know, uh, literally states that in uh, Judges 4, verse 1. And uh, then God handed them over to uh, Yabin, or Jabin, uh, the king of uh, Canaan, Canaan, sorry. And with his commander, uh, Sisera had an army of chariots. He oppressed the Israelites for 20 years, and then they finally decided to repent after 20 years. You know, kind of makes you wonder why America isn't repenting. <laughs> yeah. Um, so Deborah is very interesting, and a lot of people misinterpret her, her, um, her bringing, you know, of her being uh, such a high stature and everything, because she's one of the very few women prophets in the Bible. And one of them that is actually known to be a prophet and a judge because right. she has one also delivered the Israelites and could also talk with God, you know, right. much like Moses. Um, so basically uh, Deborah was leading at the time, the Israelites, and then she summoned uh, this guy named Barack, not Obama. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, he was a sub of Abinoam, I think. Something They have weird names in the Bible. I'm sorry, I can't pronounce (laughs) it. Um, Yeah, he was from uh, Kadesh. Yeah. And she summoned Barak to command the Israelite army. Mm -hmm. Now, I need that to be made certain to some people that may or may not listen, that she summoned him to lead the Israelite army because she was leading at the time, but she didn't exactly, you know. That wasn't necessarily um, her role. Exactly. And so she told Barak to command the Israelite army, telling him that God would give Sisera and his army to his hand. So she's basically saying, God is saying, basically these Israelites were under Deborah and they were following her because she was a prophet, but she was also a judge. And she basically was like, okay, Barack, um, not Obama. Um, uh, We, uh, she's like, "Uh, I need you to lead this army. Because God says that if you lead this army, Sisera um, will be delivered to you, you know. And Barak said he would only go only if Deborah went with him. And Deborah uh, said, I will certainly go with you. But because of the course you are taking, the honor will not be yours. For the Lord will deliver Sisera into the hands of a woman. Right. So... In that sense, basically, God was essentially saying, okay, I'm going to give, I want the man man to do this, you know, and Barack in that sense is saying, well, I want you to come with me because, you know, you're the prophet and you're Deborah and you're amazing and you're great. And, you know, you like to sit under a palm tree, (laughs) you know, and um, so she basically in Judges 4 and 9 says that she will go, but if the Lord is going to be delivered, it's going to be into the hands of a woman. If I go with you, there's going to be a difference. So basically she's saying God will go with you either way. 
it's either I can go with you and I will get the glory or you can go by yourself and you get the glory, you know? Right. And so I'm sorry, go ahead. Okay. So I just wanted to touch on that part um, just for a cultural context. Mm -hmm. Um, Some people who are not from uh, North America might understand this a little bit easier but to put it in terms, it was a very, and you can touch on this from a Muslim aspect too, because you, you know, know a lot more about that than I do. But a man being killed by a woman is seen as a very embarrassing and even damnable thing, um, I believe, at least in Muslim or Islam, right? In Muslim culture and in other cultures around the world. So war is a thing that we tend to hold especially in those times, war is for men, right? Men go do the fighting. Women take care of everything. They support their husbands, as the Bible tells them to. Um, but I believe in Islam, even if a man is you know, killed by a woman, um, and in other Eastern religions, a man is killed by a woman, that person could go to their version of hell, right? It's very disgraceful for a woman to have to take over for a man because a man is set there. And even God says that the man is there to lead. So when God's delivering Sisera over into the hands of a woman, that was meant to be very embarrassing for Barack. And apparently (laughs) this guy was like, I don't care how embarrassing it is. I'm scared or for whatever reason, he just didn't have enough faith in God. He was okay being embarrassed. But I'm sure that, you know, around the campfire later on, there were some stories going around, you know, where this man, he he probably wasn't too happy with what happened. Mm -hmm. So with Islam, I can't fully uh, say on that. I would have to get back to you. Um, But I do know that women are still known to be, you know, um, subject, you know, under men, same as it says in the Bible. and yeah, it would be kind of a, it'd be actually kind of funnier that way too. You know, if you think about a Cicero being delivered in the hands of a woman, they're basically saying, oh, wow, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And, you know, I mean, very definitely. embarrassing for a, especially a military leader to, you know, go through that. Yes. But um, basically uh, at that time, um, Barak took 10,000 soldiers and slaughtered uh, Sisera's entire army. And Sisera fled and hid in a tent. And this was a prophecy that, um, that uh, Deborah gave that the uh, woman um, in a tent would basically kill Sisera. Mm-hmm. So while Sisera was hiding under the blanket, uh, this uh, woman named Jael drove a tent peg through his head and that fulfilled Deborah's prophecy, giving her the prophet because it actually occurred afterward. And um, the Israelites eventually defeated um, King Gavin or Yavin. And uh, there was peace for another 40 years. Um, As it continues going on, um, she, uh, she ended up writing the song of Deborah, which is, um, Judges 5 is believed to be one of the oldest known passages in the entire Bible, you know? Mm-hmm. So, like, when we go by the Torah, you know, and we look at Judges and stuff, um, through different dating and stuff, the book of 
uh, Job and the Song of Deborah are actually some of the oldest manuscripts that we actually currently occur and have. Right. Um, and uh, another thing that's kind of interesting is um, from my belief, um, if I remember correctly, um, I don't have it in front of me. I'm not like reading it word for word. I believe she only mentions 10 of the 12 tribes of Israel. Mm-hmm. So um, some people think it might be dated to the ninth or 10th century BC, but you know, that's, you know, up to theological and, you know, historical debate. Right. Uh, next. Uh, did you have anything else you wanted to finish on Deborah? Um, no, that actually leads us into um, Gideon. You know, a lot of these judges, the books um, of judges are kind of, or the chapters, excuse me, and uh, judges is kind of going to lead into the next one because as it's happened the last three or four times, um, you know, the, the people fell back into their idolatry and all that. So it was very um, near to the time, just after uh, the you know, victory by Deborah, Barak, and over Yavin, um, Israel obviously went back to their idolatry, and the Midianites and the um, Amalekites, uh, with, you know, other children of the East, as it said in the Bible, um, they crossed the Jordan, um, you know, and they, their whole purpose was plundering and desolating the land. So they were basically just, you know, doing raids on a bigger scale than what the Philistines did, um, you know. Gideon was the next prophet to arrive or uh, the next judge to arrive. And he was um, originally called Jerubal. So that name means, you know, Baal defends him, which Baal is essentially a false god, um, masculine. Um, So basically he defends Baal or Baal, you know, supports his cause essentially. So they were already speaking kind of uh, evil things into his life. Um, You know, he was kind of struggling and he ended up actually, he was one of the few that received a direct call from God to undertake the task of delivering the land from, you know, their invaders, you know, the Midianites and the Amalekites and their army um, who they, you know, happened to amass. Um, A lot of the armies that they were fighting were, even though the Bible says, you know, it was these people, it was, uh, you know, the Midianites, a lot of their armies were also comprised, not just of conscripts and things like that, but of, uh, I guess you would call them like hired hands, kind of like in the Crusades. So they'd go around to towns, you know, paying people to do this. And, you know, we hear about that a little bit in the book of Judges also, when it says, um, you know, children, other children of the East, those were like little units, little battalions or companies they put together from the surrounding places. Um, they would pay them. Some just were wicked people and wanted to fight anyway. So, uh, you know, that's how they they got a little bit of that. Um, did you want to explain the rest of that? or? Um, I mean, I think you covered a good amount of it, you know. Um, mm-hmm. So... Um, the Jarrah Ball thing, um, I have heard different uh, different actual interpretations of that, actually. Um, mm-hmm. I heard that, you know, he got uh, named that for tearing down the idols to Ball. Right. And I also heard that he's, you know, also 
he's contending against Ball. And then I've right. also read, you know, the other interpretation of him defending. But um, let's see. Uh, let's see. They um... – so I believe even in judges, um, mm-hmm. they still uh, – at that time, they still uh, actually – embraced idolatry yes his father did yeah yeah and uh god used the medianites to punish them for seven years um yes and uh during that time their their uh farmlands and crops and everything was being destroyed destroyed in sight you know um and they uh they actually i think they referenced it to like a swarm of locusts in uh judges six verse five um, and, and only conti- a few thousand of them at that time ended up um, escaping. Yeah, and then you know, going forward from there, you know, he uh, Gideon goes down um, in Judges six thirty one. He uh, destroys the Asherah poles, mm-hmm. um, and that's actually when he became known as Jerubal. Right, and um, uh, Asherah. Uh, is actually a um, a name for the um, Canaanite. Uh, was it the Canaanite god? Right. The Canaanite so they had, god's wife, it, right? Right. Exactly. It was akin to uh, Astaroth. Yes. And uh, a lot of people um, seem to... I've seen a lot of people say Asherah is actually Yahweh's god. Like, the law, not Yahweh's god, but Yahweh's wife. Right. And uh, we were like, no. <laughs> you, there's there's a huge different context. The Canaanites believed in something completely different than the Hebrews believed. Exactly. And a lot of people don't understand that because they're like, well, they came from Canaan. Well, yeah, but that doesn't mean they still worship the same gods, you know? Right. Just like we have in America a bunch of Christians, a bunch of atheists, a bunch of Muslims, a bunch of Scientologists, yeah. you know? It's like you can't like take one person from an, a specific area and then judge them based on that belief. I mean, it's the same thing in the book of Joshua where, um, you know, Korah and a, and a bunch of other people were literally swallowed into a hole in the ground. Um, mm-hmm. when Joshua was standing there talking to them, prophesying, you know, it, it's the same exact thing. You know, they believed in God and they're like, Hey, let's go back to Egypt. Cause I don't think God really exists. anymore. You know, Mm-hmm. It's just the depravity of man, I guess. Yep. No, that's unfortunately um, how it how it happens. And uh, the when you go into Judges thirty one, it was basically when um, you know uh, I think what was it Joash Joash was his name. Uh, he ended up. Uh, who stood against him he said will you contend for Baal Uh, will you deliver him whenever you will plead for him shall be put to death by morning if he is a god let him contend for himself because someone has torn down his altar you know and uh, later down the line you go into a fleece test where the uh, 633 to 34 um, which I believe you pretty much covered Um, the fleece test you're talking about the one where he uh, was like, hey, you know, let everything else, you know, 
let everything else be dry, but only the fleece wet. And then the next day, the following day, he said, you know, okay, well, let the fleece be dry, but everything else be wet. Essentially, yeah. You yeah. know, and yeah. That so. was his way of, uh, I guess, seeing if God was really listening. He wasn't really sure. And, you know, God's like, hey, man, I'm. this is what I want you to do. Yes, it's me. <laughs> and, then, yeah, so. and that is like a really beautiful way of actually showing um, a sense of being how humble he was because he actually really didn't believe he was probably chosen by God but you know he was like okay he was, he was pretty shy yeah yeah so yeah you know Gideon defeats them um, uh, yeah <laughs> and there's not really much more to go on he you know Gideon wins um the Israelites uh, enjoyed 40 years of peace and then he died and they abandoned his right. family and they started worshiping Baal again. Exactly. He had seven, he had 70 sons, but um, I think the next one after him was Abimelech, which was his son. Yep. So do you want to start that one? Uh, Tola? Um, sure. Uh, Tola. Who did you want to touch on Abimelech? Oh, on who? Abimelech. So he's in the book of Judges. You're, on, you're, um, you're very faint, dude. Can you hear me? Yeah, they're better now. Okay, sorry about that. The yep. dog's barking in the background. Uh, um, I'll let you continue with what you're going on. Um, <laughs> okay. So, um, let's see, where was I? Okay, so essentially Abimelech, um, it ends with Abimelech gathering like a, a group of guys that went and essentially killed all of Gideon's sons except for Jotham. Um, uh -huh. He, I believe he was the one, he was the younger son that uh, ended up fleeing to the hills or the mountains um, and yelling and uh, he just happened to to escape while all of his brothers were getting killed. Um, you know. Um, and then I believe you can go into Tola next if you want. All right. Um, so Tola was actually known as a minor judge. Mm -hmm. um, the, the Bible doesn't say much about uh, Tola. Um, but uh, yeah. Um, after the death of Ablamech, um, Gideon's son, um, this person was uh, from the tribe of Issachar, uh, Issachar and was the grandfather of a man named Dodo. <laughs> um, so uh, when Tola came into the scene, uh, basically they talked more about like the 70 sons that you were, you know, talking about. Mm -hmm. um, Bible says Tola rose to save Israel in Judges 10, verse 1. Right. Um, but it doesn't tell us exactly what he did or how he saved yeah. them. It said it could be any <laughs> number of... Says, and then he died. <laughs> yeah, you know. Um, but uh, it could have been something as simple as he kind of directed them before they ended right. up going into major sin. You know, basically uh, pretty much 10, 1 through 2 is all that we pretty much really get out of him um, right and then it just says that he was succeeded by Jai, jair 
Yep. Um, who has a little bit longer of a story. Um, he was the son of Segub. Um, and he was brought into uh, Gilead by his mother, where he had, you know, possessions, which we hear more about in First Chronicles. Um, so, again, these are more parallels that you like to talk about, where, you know, a lot of people try to discount the Old Testament and say, oh, well, it's done away with, you know, Jesus did away with the law, which he says that was so. But, um, <laughs> but, um, your voice you know, is in, going in and out. <laughs> sorry, in First Chronicles, you know, we see a parallel there where it talks about, you know, Gilead and, and Jair. Uh-huh. Um, he was the eighth judge of Israel, and he he only ruled for, you know, 22 years or so. Um, he was a Benjaminite, or a Benjaminite, excuse me, um, and the father of Mordecai, which was Esther's uncle, which I'm sure we're all kind of familiar with Esther. Uh-huh. Um, and his father, so he was the he was also the father of Elhanan, which is uh, one of the guys who essentially uh, slew or killed Lamid, which was Goliath's brother, which we hear about again in First Chronicles. And um, that's about all the Bible says about Jair. Yep. Uh, just a quick thing with Jair. He was also. Um, referred to by uh, some theologists as a, another minor judge similar <laughs> to uh, Tola. Um, interesting thing about Tola is it uh, apparently means worm. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, a lot of people think, oh, well, maybe that's why he wasn't really mentioned there. Maybe it was just like a dirt piece of dirt or something, you know, but it was actually had a meaning of like a worm of scarlet. Tola was used to describe a expensive cloth that was used right. in the tabernacles and um, and uh, Jair um, was a, a son of uh, Manasseh and uh, from what I understand um, the first Jair was um from the towns of Jair. Uh, mm-hmm. So, um, and then as we go into the next one, uh, Jephthah? Jephthah, yeah. Well, he was a mighty warrior and he yep. was the son of a prostitute. <laughs> Absolutely, which is another uh, parallel, I guess, we see. Even Jesus, um, well, the Son of Man, part of him, was descended from you know, a prostitute at one point. <laughs> I think we all were. <laughs> Never know what happens back then. So, but his father, Galid, um, had sons through his wife, and uh, Jeff, Jephthah's or whatever, uh, half brothers drove him away to the land of Tob, mm-hmm. um, where he led a gang of scoundrels, basically. Um, he, uh, they mentioned uh, the people he hung around with as um, in Judges 11, verse 3, as like worthless people that he would basically surround himself with, you know, which kind of brings us in the parallel into one of Paul's letters that, uh, you know, um, bad morals, uh, right. like bad company, bad company ruins, ruins morals. good morals, you know. Mm-hmm. But what we read about him in Judges 10, 6 through 12, 7 is that... Um, when they did evil and all that stuff in those verses, um, 
they were delivered from Israel. And when he, when he became a judge, the Israelites were basi- basically worshiping any God, not just Canaanite gods, but any God yeah. that wasn't Yahweh or Yehovah or whatever you call God, the father, you know, Jesus's dad. <laughs> right. Um, they worship Baal, they worship Astaroth, they worship the gods of Aram, the gods of Sidon, the gods of Moab, the gods of the Ammonites, the gods of the Philistines, the, but everything but their own god. And, you know, that is like another, you know, you know, Judges 11, 10, uh, Judges 10, um, 11 through 14 literally explains that. And, um, basically his uh his accomplishment was to stop all this worship of false gods um and that's a a, i think a great parallel to why god said um he's a jealous god you know right Um, he doesn't god wants us all for himself yeah exactly you know he he can be a little selfish at times but i mean he does it in his right interests because all the gods that these people are worshiping and, you know, we're literally seeing them be destroyed, you know? Mm -hmm. And um, so uh, it says that he defeats the Ammonite gods and makes a sacrifice, you know, Um, the King, uh, the King refused and the Israelites began driving the Ammonites out of the land. Um, Right. Um. And, uh, and uh, basically, after they were driving the Ammonites out of the land and everything, they continued uh, trying to resolve the conflict peacefully. So he was actually not trying to just be a, like a complete warmonger. He was actually trying to be civilized, you know? Right. And in that reaction, um, you know, uh, it, it kind of just goes into like Deuteronomy uh, 1231 where it says you shall not behave thus toward your Lord for every abominable act which the Lord hates have done for their gods that for they even burn their sons and daughters to the fire of their gods which I believe that they were referring to Molech at that time right and um, But I guess uh, at that time, uh, I guess he and um, Judges 11.35, he actually sacrificed his daughter. (laughs) So that's one thing that is a point of contention among many, right? So Mm -hmm. some think that he offered her as a burnt offering, while others hold the belief that he um, gave her to god like as a priestess right Mm -hmm. uh kind of like what the levitical priesthood i tend to lean more towards and you may feel differently but i do tend to lean more towards um him giving her to essentially the church at that time so to the to, to be a priestess and to work um alongside the levitical priesthood because it says that she did go with her friends and they mourned that she would not have a husband, not that she would die, but they mourned that she would not have a husband and she would, you know, never have a child. So there are a few different interpretations of that. Um, I think it makes a little bit more sense to say she 
probably didn't die. He didn't kill her. Um, I could be completely wrong. But it, the Bible does make a, a point um, in, in explaining that she mourned that she would not bear children and be married. Yes. And in that reaction, basically, um, so I'm going to go into that full verse just so everybody can understand the full verse instead of right. just, you know, a quick summary of it. Um, so it goes into, uh, he goes to um, Mizpah onto his house and behold, his daughter came out to meet him and with the tibrals and the dances and she was his only child, and beside her he had neither son nor daughter. And it came to pass when he saw her that he rent his clothes and said, Alas, my daughter, thou hast brought me very low, and thou art one of them to trouble me, for I have opened my mouth unto the Lord, and I cannot go back. And she said unto him, My father, if thou hast opened thy mouth to the Lord, do to me according uh, to which that has proceeded out of thy mouth. Mm-hmm. For as much as the Lord has taken vengeance for the for thee of thine enemies, even of the children of Ammon, she said unto her father, "Let us uh, let this thing be done for me. Let me alone for two months, that I may go up and down the mountain and bewail my virginity, and I, I and my fellows." And he said go and he sent her away for two months and she went with her companions and bewailed her virginity upon the mountain and it came to pass at the end of the two months that she returned to her father who did with her according to his vow and what she had vowed right she knew no man and it was a custom in israel that the daughters of the israel went yearly to lament to the daughter of jepheth of the glid Gladiadite, I guess, for four days in a year. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, basically saying that, you know, the daughters of, uh, that the daughters of Israel would go and lament, you know, to, to that, you know, story. Um, so whether or not she was like fully sacrificed or not, it's, I kind of hold the same opinion as you, is that she, you know, stayed a virgin right she did everything that you're supposed to do essentially um in my opinion uh, and i'm not a catholic but essentially she became a nun you know she took her vows you know and a a vow of celibacy yep and uh that is uh essentially i think where it went to um it was a sacrifice that you know the he won't he wouldn't become a grandfather essentially yeah. in that in that manner with at least with her with her right and um it's important to kind of uh explain these things and and get into that text because i think a lot of people might just read it and they read you know oh he sacrificed his daughter and they're like oh he, he killed her you know like uh, <laughs> you know yep. like uh other people have like the people who are worshiping um molech and um it's important to kind of show all aspects like I believe we are, you know, um, I pray this is edifying um, to the listeners and um, that they do learn things that they may have misheard or misread or even been mistaught at times. Um, so 
thank you for reading that part. That's that's very important. You know, people need to hear that because everyone doesn't just sit down and retain all the information when they read the Bible through. Yeah, it's better to read it from the Bible than actually read it from somebody else that just tells you their interpretation. Yeah, that just wrote you know? about it. <laughs> A so, lot of people like to write about the Bible, but and people will go to them, but very few people actually go to read the Bible. Yeah, exactly. So if, um, if you don't mind, I'll just go through Isban, uh, yep. Ibzan real quick, and then I'll let you take Elon because I know that's your, your boy right there. <laughs> <laughs> um, so Isban was actually from Bethlehem. And mm-hmm. Bethlehem uh, uh, led Israel for, so he led Israel for seven years. He's only mentioned in Judges 10, uh, Judges 12, uh, verse 8 through 10. And while the Bible tells us he judged Israel, it doesn't give us any record of him fighting anybody or people he overthrew or people he destroyed, you know. Uh, Nor does it say he saved Israel. You know, as we see with all the other judges that we we were mentioning, you know, like Deborah and Gideon, you know, these, you know, strong ones. What we do know is that he had 30 sons and 30 daughters. So he was, you know, getting pretty busy, kind of like Solomon. (laughs) And uh, he made a point to marrying all of them to people outside his tribe. So I want that to make you clear because I'm going to bring you back in. What was that thing that you mentioned about tribes? The importance of where people came from. Yes. They uh, like the lineages. They like to keep everything separate. So they, they take pride in knowing which uh, tribe they came from. Yes. So was it, was it normally a custom that people would marry in uh, outside each other's tribes or was that just, you know, so we know that it happened. Um, we also know that several people married completely outside of the nation of Israel, but it's common practice to stay in that tribe because that is essentially, in a simple way of putting it, keeping the bloodline pure, right? And not just mixing everything and becoming one nation. They like to keep everything divided, like the Levitical priesthood, right? The, the tribe of so-and-so was for this task. You know, uh-huh. they like keeping everything separate. Yep. So he literally wanted to go outside of his own tribe and, right. you know, kind of spread it, you know. So mm-hmm. that is, um, it's actually kind of like a, a really courageous thing, you know, that I think he was doing. Um, this would, uh, you know, this probably would help expand. Uh, extend the influence in Israel and create more peace. Now, when you right. think about that in the, the old times, like with the kings and the queens and all that, they would marry their daughters for political influence and in, uh, right. being allied with another country. Um, so essentially, like if um, uh, England wanted to be allies with France, they would take their daughter and send them to, you know, France and say, I want my daughter to marry your son. And they would marry right. and then be allied, you know, and that would essentially keep, you know, kind of like 
you, you have my daughter there. So, and, uh, you know, she's married to, you, you know, your son. So we're allies. We, we're not going right. to fight, you know. And this kind of maybe be is maybe the depiction that they were showing that he extended peace by of all these different tribes of Israel by marrying his sons and daughters outside of his own tribe. So right. they would all be in a case of peace. Right. And a lot of people probably didn't like that because, you know, he was Ibzan from Bethlehem. So people from that tribe and from that area were likely okay with him. But then others who were maybe outside of, you know, whatever tribe a certain judge was from, a lot of them would have animosity towards the others because they felt like they were not in charge. Mm-hmm. Which is, I mean, we... Jeez, what book is that in the Bible? Um, we hear about, and you might have to help me with this one, but we hear about literally tribes fighting each other because they wanted a different king. I, I think David went through that at one point. It was around the time of David where, you know, um, I think Israel had separated from, I believe it was Judah, was it not? Yeah, there was... Um... Basically, at one point, Israel uh, didn't agree, like, um, the Israelite, uh, well, I can't say the Israelites, because they're all Israelites. Right, <laughs> what they would call the nation of Israel, I the guess. The kingdom of Israel, that's just a better way to put it, the kingdom of Israel basically was like, all right, we don't agree with you, and then the Israelites were up on the north were like, well, we don't agree with you, and then they were like, right. okay, we well, we're going to separate, and they yeah. made the kingdom of Judah and the kingdom of Israel. Right. And uh, and they, uh, for some reason, hated each other. <laughs> and that only that only speaks to that pride we were talking about that they take in. OK, well, my third cousin twice removed or whatever is in charge. You know, that's my family is in charge. You know, not not this guy from the tribe of Benjamin, you know, whoever else. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, I mean, I think that pretty much covers uh Ibzan. I don't know if you have anything else you want to touch on him or if you want to move into your boy. Nope. He was uh he was born in Bethlehem and he was died and buried there. So again, that's that pride. They like to keep their own people kind of in that same area. Um, but next, Elon. Funny enough, that's my son's name also. Um so Elon was a city, it's a it's a biblical city and uh name of i believe like three men i want to say um two of which were which were uh zebulonites um it was a city in the tribe of dan um but this guy named elon was a hittite um and the father he was the father of esau's first wife um bashemeth some people uh in some translations it might be basemeth it might be spelled that way um or Ada. Um, he was, you know, one of the sons of Zebulun, uh, which we hear about in Genesis 46, I believe, four, verse 14, um, and the grandson of, of Jacob. So a lot of the timelines in the Bible, right? Because we've gone through a ton of books in the Bible already. And we haven't heard about Jacob in, you know, several books. But the timeline kind of jumps around um, or sounds like it might because so much goes on with one person until we're at the point where, you know, the Bible kind of brings us back and it talks about Elon and it's like, Hey, so this guy was just, you know, 
a grandson of, of Jacob or Israel or Leah, right? Um, but he reigned for, or he, I guess, held the office for 10 years, um, you know, and he's called the Zebulonite. Um, and then after Elon, um, did you want to go to Abdon or Samson? Uh, yeah, we'll go to Abdon and then we'll finish off with the with Samson, the most popular one. Because he was the last one. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's another thing that a lot of people don't understand. Whenever they hear judges, they're like, oh, the book about Samson? No, there was a lot of judges, man. <laughs> yeah. Not everybody uh, just, it's not, it's not all about Samson. <laughs> it's as cool right. as he was, you know. But um, yeah, Abdon was the son of Hillel. And he came after Elon, your son. <laughs> and he was also another obscure minor judge <laughs> i seem to get all the minor ones <laughs> his name was uh it's formed on the root apparently um mm-hmm. and uh so uh in judges 12 14 through 15 he had 40 sons and 30 grandsons who rode on 70 donkeys and uh he held Israel eight years and Abdon the son of Hillel died and was buried at Parathon and Ephraim and uh, mm-hmm. in the hill county of the Alchemites, Al- which I believe you touched upon. Right. You know, so there's not really much to really touch on to about him other than uh, in the in Abdon in the Old Testament, we know there's not much about them. Other than, again, it was an ancient city to which he belonged to the tribe of Asher, which is mentioned in Josh mm-hmm. 21, verse 30, and uh, Chronicles 1, uh, 1 Chronicles 6, uh, verse 74. So the tribe of Asher is where um, Abdon came from. And although he's very, um, you know, obscure about what he did, I'm pretty sure, much like Ibzon, he did something with his with his children to try to bring about more peace between the people. Yeah. And an important thing just for a time period context. Mm -hmm. um, So King Saul, like the first King Saul, right. Yep. um, Of Israel, the nation um, was his nephew. And he was the son of Micah. Abdon was. So, I believe Mike is also called Akwar. Akwar, I believe, right? Yeah, I think Which so. is like a mouse <laughs> in Hebrew <laughs> for translation. So, yeah, I mean, it, it comes down to like a lot of people had some very weird, interesting names, but yeah. like there was uh, someone named Neshiel, which is uh, snake in Hebrew, which I just thought was hilarious. <laughs> and, uh, to just, uh, I guess, touch upon the uh, the last part, um, I'll let you take Samson because it's you know a very long passage. <laughs> oh wow, I get the I get the work. All right. Yeah, yeah, get to work, <laughs> buddy. <laughs> but uh, I will say that he is literally known to be the strongest person in the entire Bible. He is literally the epitome of Hercules. You know, 
in he's, the he's uh, like Hebrew. the Christian. Well, I guess technically not Christian, but <laughs> you know, <Hebrew> Hercules. <laughs> yeah, they call him HH. <laughs> but um, no, yeah, Samson was um, you know, basically God's. I I guess you could say James Bond or ultimate weapon. He was his Godzilla, if you would, right. you know, um, against the Philistines. You know, he he had his strength directly from the spirit of the Lord. So it, it just tells you now this is a man that's human. Right. And you, this is one thing I want to point out, because it's very powerful in scripture that a lot of people don't understand is that he is a man right he was born a man and the spirit of god came upon him and just gave him the strength he needed to destroy the philistines right you know um i'll let you go into you know everything else in a minute but um the reason why i wanted to parallel this is this is just like when we look at elijah you know where he's destroying armies by calling out to god where we look at um where we look at Jesus, you know, being different. Jesus was actually made from God and made flesh in human form. So this way, when Jesus was coming around, he had like all these abilities from his father because he had the same thing. So essentially, I wouldn't be surprised if Jesus was actually just as strong or stronger than Samson if he really wanted to fight, <laughs> you know? Right. Yeah. Um, I mean, he's sovereign. So he has the ability to essentially do whatever he so wills but you know obviously that was limited somewhat when he was uh, when he walked you know as man did that was kind of the whole point of jesus um you know being the son of man so he walked a perfect life because i mean god you know god could have forgiven our sins whenever you know we could have just kept sacrificing goats and lambs and stuff and cows you know <laughs> but <laughs> jesus was our sacrificial lamb and he was only able to do that because his uh divinity his divine nature partnered with his human nature exactly he was able to take all of our sins onto him so when a lot of people like reference the messiah and everything in the hebrew sense where they think of a warlord that's going to come of man mm -hmm. that's going to destroy all their enemies well, essentially, Jesus had that ability. He's mentioned it multiple times in scripture. But on top of that, we look at the book of Samson or the book of Judges and we reference Samson and we see how strong he is and what he was capable of doing. And mm -hmm. then we then we can see Jesus. If Jesus really wanted to fight, it's a boxing match that not even Mike Tyson would win. I mean, you know? seriously, look, he, he cast out demons, you know, left and right. Even Thanks. Paul did, you know. <laughs> yep. So, I mean, he could, I'm pretty sure Jesus could have just basically walked right into the, uh, you know, Caesar's, you know, temple or, you know, castle and everything and just been like, poke, and then the whole thing would crumble. Yeah. So, but I'll let you go into uh, him, um, you know, because he was also a Nazarite. <laughs> right. So a lot of people um, like to... I guess you could say conflate the terms Nazarite with Nazarene. Um, so he was under a Nazarite vow, right? Which was a vow saying he would abstain from eating certain things, um, drinking, you know, alcohol, fruits of the vine, um, things like that. He wouldn't cut his hair. 
And uh, Nazarite vows are an interesting thing. Um, I know people or I've heard of people that are currently under them um, to some extent or some degree. Um, they abstain from certain foods. My, me personally, I abstain from, you know, pork and uh, different types of seafood. You know, they don't have fins and scales. I just happen to do that because I want to. And I think it's a great way to honor God, you know, and that's my lifelong sacrifice that I want. Some others, you know, um, could be, you know, 30 day, you know, Nazarite vows. They're different lengths of all of these things. Some are lifelong, some are a few months, some are a day, 30 days, whatever. Um, but Nazarite is a title for an Israelite who took a special vow before God, usually for a specified time, you know, a, a period of time, like I just said. Um, but a Nazarene is someone who is just from the city of Nazareth. Um, and Samson, you know, from a boy, his mom kind of put him under that vow, you know, um, so he really wanted to marry a Philistine woman, you know, Timna, um, which wasn't forbidden by, you know, the law of Moses or anything, um, since they didn't form from one of the doomed Canaanite nations uh, mentioned in Exodus 34 and Deuteronomy 7. Um, but it was definitely an unblessed marriage that he wanted with Timna. Um, his wife was essentially taken from him and given to his you know, one of his, uh, his friends or companions, um, he got mad and he essentially burned all the corn down, uh, you know, um, that the Philistines had, um, who essentially went and they tried to get back at him by burning her and her father, um, which he obviously avenged later on in Judges, uh, 15, seven, which, I would definitely recommend starting, you know, just to hear about him, you know, start at Judges 14 and read all the way through, you know, you'll hear a lot about him. Um, so he judged Israel, um, you know, for a total of 20 years following that. Um, but it was, it was kind of interesting how his vow worked, right? So, you know, he wasn't supposed to tell anybody. You know, hey, if you cut my hair, I'd lose all my super strength. You know, guy meets this girl, you know, uh, named Delilah, um, who, you know, ends up betraying him because men came to her and were like, hey, how, how do we how do we kill this guy? Every time we break into his house and try to murder him, he's so strong, we can't do anything. Um, you know, but she got paid off, essentially, and this great man who, you know, killed a lion on the side of the road with his bare hands, you know, um, was essentially taken down because of his lust. And he was tempted and decided to give himself over to his temptation. You know, she kept asking him and I'm, I'm sure we're all familiar with the story um, or the few stories about him where, you know, every night they come back, you know, and he's like, oh, if you do this, you know, I'll lose my power. They, they did it to him in his sleep and they bound him with some ropes and, you know, all this stuff. Guy just breaks out and kills all the guards or all the soldiers. Um, but essentially, the, the story of Samson is almost sad. It was this man that was gifted this, this great power and responsibility to judge and, uh, you know, to, you know, work for God. And God blessed him. 
But still, with all that power and that responsibility that God gave him, he essentially gave that up for his own his own lusts and and his own desires, you know, his sinful desires. Um, but but Samson was a great man, you know. Uh, when they officially or eventually hurt him and you know cut his hair and everything, they ended up blinding him. Um, and you know, at the end of his life, he did you know kind of repent and he turned to God. He just said, you know, God, give me the strength again. You know, uh, let me get rid of these evil people. Um, and that's when, you know, the spirit of God came on to him again. You know, he realized he had that power again. And the whole city ended up crumbling, <laughs> you know, which I think was just an amazing thing. Did you want to touch on anything else on Samson? Uh, yeah, just a little bit. I mean, you covered pretty much the whole story. So, um, yeah, Samson was definitely a strong man. Uh, he... I believe that he was um, very overcome and stricken with a lot of lusts and temptations. Because, you know, I mean, (laughs) you have to realize that the Israelites didn't really like the Philistines at all. So when he's like, I'm in love with one of them, they're like, "Uh oh, that's not going to happen. Not in this house. (laughs) And uh, unfortunately, you know, that's essentially like where a lot of people, I think, are taking different routes of mixing in marriage, you know, Mm -hmm. like, you know, and yeah, that was mentioned in the old Testament, but they were mentioning it in a different context. Moses still married somebody outside the he outside of the Hebrews. Exactly. Right. And that was mentioned in numbers 12. So, you know, and to the point where he, God gave Miriam leprosy because she was, you know, and, uh, and then she even said that, you know, how do you know that God doesn't, you know, tell us what to do and stuff like that? You know, we, he can talk to us too. And, you know, that's just more of a thing that God chooses specific people he talks to. It's not right. everybody, you know. And a lot of people try to take these stories in the Bible to say, oh, no, like the Israelites were only supposed to marry Israelites. So, you know, people who maybe, you know, one skin color or another you know, have to stay with their own skin color, which doesn't really make any sense. A lot of people do end up twisting these uh, Bible studies and coming from a very mixed race family. It's very sad, you know, that people can use these great stories, you know, um, about people marrying, you know, their own people or um, people of different nations. Um, It's really sad that people kind of twist that sometimes, you know, Mm -hmm. and and I think that's just a very important thing that um, that uh, people need to understand, that there's just so many contexts in the Bible that people overlook or they just right. believe because of tradition or what people have been told mm-hmm. instead of reading it from themselves. Right. Um, in Judges 15, 15, he killed over a thousand Philistines with a donkey's jawbone. Right. You know, I mean... You know, and after all of it, he was thirsty, <laughs> you know, so mm-hmm. God gave him some water, <laughs> you right. know, it, it's just, um, it, it shows that God was with him, even though he was tempted and was lustful and did have, you know, these things that a lot of people didn't agree with at the time, 
but it was again the laws of the people that were forbidding these things and not the laws of god which is something that jesus touched upon you know right pharisees and um you know, uh, the the uh, the Philistines they uh, they praise their their god Dagon. You know, um, mm-hmm. uh, they celebrated. You know, when Samson died, right? Um, and but, they uh, even attributed that to him. You know, mm-hmm. they attributed that to their false god. But what they don't understand, and this is what I I find, you know very important, very uh, intriguing is that Samson, uh, basically he took down the entire house, you know, of all these people that were worshiping Dagon, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, And uh, at that point it says, and then Samson ripped out the two pillars that supported the entire temple and it collapsed, killing everyone, including himself, Mm -hmm. you know? And uh, you think about it, you know, um, when we always go for an eye for an eye and tooth for a tooth, that was basically what the judges were doing at the time. Right. Those were for them to, to judge upon and to follow. Um, and even in the book of Judges, not everybody wanted to take an eye for an eye. They were trying. Some of them were trying to do it peacefully. And, you know, at the very end of it, uh, you know, uh, we, we realize in Judges um, in verses 21 to 25, uh, 21 verse 25, um, there was no king at that time. Mm-hmm. Israel was basically just a nation that was kind of like Scandinavia. It was just a bunch of different, you know, countries that were just destroying each other. Right. Similar to Greece, actually. Yes, exactly. Like there was things that were like the nations were trying to be formed, but at the same time, there was a lot of civil unrest at the time and they had no king and God originally didn't even want kings at the time. You know, he was like, I will protect you, but you got to follow me and nobody would follow God. Everybody wanted to go to Abaddon and, you know, Dagon and Asherah and you know all these different Mm -hmm. gods and this is one of the most important parts of judges is God will send people to deliver you know you out but you need to you know repent for what you've done and go forward right Um, and that kind of leads the king part kind of leads us into um you know Eli and then to Samuel you know um if you wanted to summarize Eli real quick you know then I could finish up with Samuel uh, actually, I'll let you take those two, but before I do that, I do want to touch because mm-hmm. when I was mentioning that they didn't have a king, which mm-hmm. is going to be the next one that we are going to go into, which is going right. to be Eli and Samuel and you know those. Mm-hmm. Um, Israel um, we keep repeating the same lessons, and this is where exactly mm-hmm. um, you know they wanted a king. Israel didn't need a judge or a king to save them. They needed a messiah. That right. was the thing. And the Bible literally orchestrates everything that was prophesied, everything that was supposed to be said to Jesus. And a lot mm-hmm. of people don't understand that. And that's 
why that there's not many uh, not many Jewish people that actually believe in the Messiah yet. Right. You know? They're like, oh no, no, not everything was fulfilled. No, everything was fulfilled. You're just not reading what what needed to be fulfilled. You're exactly. reading what you want to be fulfilled. Mm-hmm. And that's again the issues with Israel as you know at the time you know there was too much civil unrest there was too much people that were you know worshiping different gods you know israel yes it stood as israel but it just it kept falling you know and that was the problem right so i mean yeah if you want to go into samuel and kings real quick and then we can uh then that'll probably be our next uh our next topic right Right. So I'll start with Eli. So he took over right after um, Samson, right? Um, he had two sons, uh, Phinehas and Hophni, um, and they were basically just horrible people. Then there's this kid named Samuel um, that he kind of uh, fathered and, and took in. You know, he was both a judge and a high priest. Um, from the priesthood. So he, his sons were supposed to take over. God gave him warnings and, you know, he just, I guess, didn't want to correct his sons and didn't make sure that, you know, they listened to their father and, you know, submitted and obeyed him. And God told him that uh, they were, you know, both of his sons would die on the same day. You know, um, he took in Samuel that came to pass. Uh, He starts training Samuel. Um, you know, and Samuel goes on, um, and he becomes like a major prophet in you know for for all of scripture. Scripture, um, he has two books written about himself and his his deeds and you know things like that. But um, I, I think it's it's pretty important to understand for the you know Eli. So Eli ended up being the father of Mary, right? Mary, the mother of Jesus. Um, You know, so just for the, I guess, the timeline parts, it's important to understand, you know, kind of where we are, how much time has passed. Um, So I guess you could say he's essentially the grandfather of Jesus from on Mary's side, right? Yeah. Um. So Eli, uh, super great, but yeah, (laughs) yeah, (laughs) but he, uh, he was essentially, he didn't obey God, you know, God's will when he didn't really correct his, his sons all that well, they kind of ignored him and, you know, they, they died on the same day. And then we go into Samuel. Um, did you want to leave that one for next time? Uh, Yeah, I think we can, uh, finish, uh, Samuel and, um, kings for next time because okay. we're going into a whole new s- subject now because this is when yeah. the kings start to rise and this israel. is a pivotal moment there in in israel's yeah. history exactly so um aside from that anything else you want to say nope just glad to be part of the podcast all right well guess we'll call it for now all righty uh